Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Hey, I'm Ryan with Transform Your Teaching. I get to do some of the behind the scenes work on the podcast. For our 50th episode, we wanted the chance to connect with our listeners. So we held a live Q&A and gave away some coffee beans and some cool mugs. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, We do have some questions prepared, but also if you guys have any questions, you can go ahead and send those in. The first one takes us all the way back to how Transform Your Teaching started. You guys chose servant teaching as the first topic for Transform Your Teaching. So I kind of wanted to revisit that and then ask why. Why begin with servant teaching? Why servant teaching? I think Jared and I had had lots of conversations, as we all have had lots of conversations, about how to best serve Cedarville and how do teachers and faculty members serve their students um, and, and I have to say it probably was influenced greatly by the leadership development program that I was in with uh, General Reno. So those of you who have been in it, you'll recognize his servant leadership and specifically rooting it in Philippians 2, 3 to 4, looking to the needs of others before your own. And so the question that we started batting around inside of CTL was, what would it look like if we you know, adopted this and we tried to live it out. And then we made that available to teachers and faculty. So we started looking. I think it just so happened Dr. Mack had invited Dr. Schultz in for a specific um, session. And I got to meet him and he had done a book on servant teaching. And so that all coincided with the conversations that we had had about, oh, we need to do a podcast. We need to do something where we can get stuff out to faculty and they can, you know, take that in as they want to when they have time, which is generally when you're driving in the car because we know you don't have time any other time. I mean, that's just reality. So that's what we kind of came up with, right? Yeah. um, Actually, servant teaching came up before that it actually came out right when COVID hit oh yeah yeah. because we were talking in a zoom call about how to handle um the switch and everything else and i had wanted to say servant leadership but said servant teaching and we all joked what would that look like and then we started researching and it actually existed we were like oh that's actually a thing so we started doing research on that and i think that was what like when we have uh, instructors on, we always ask them what their philosophy of education is. And we wanted to make sure that our podcast started that way as well. So servant teaching is really the backbone of how we want to serve faculty and then show that and have, and model that for faculty to use with their students. That's good. We do have another, uh, audience question here. Um, what episode or discussion topic was the biggest flop and what did you learn? It never aired. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn from it? Um, and maybe we'll, we'll rephrase it to say, which one do you maybe wish you could go back and tweak or add to, subtract from? 
probably the first one with Dr. Schultz for me anyway. I mean, I was new to this. Um, still I am. But I, I just don't think I had any idea of what I was doing, to be honest, in terms of recording and asking good questions. Yeah, I would say the early stuff. We hadn't got our legs yet. That whole interview, I remember, you know, I, I went through broadcasting here at Cedarville. Um, and so I had Mr. L in the back of my head the whole time saying, hey, listen to what they're saying so you can do follow-up questions. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but I have these questions in front of me. So I was trying to simultaneously listen to what he was saying, but then also read the questions and go, okay, no, wait, what did he say? Because I get so wrapped up in this. Yeah, I would say the, not that necessarily that it flopped, although Jeff Simon's a way easier. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was that was one of my favorite ones because Jeff and I are good friends. But yeah, I would say that when Schultz stuff at the beginning was rough. And he was so gracious to us. Very gracious. Most certainly was. Yeah, and I, just to give you guys a behind-the-scenes look a little bit, we prepare questions for our guests that are supposed to kind of guide the conversation so that it doesn't limit some of what we do. But like they're talking about early on, it was hard not to get so wrapped up in where we want to go with the conversation instead of, of letting the conversation go where it needs to. And these guys have done a great job adapting and uh, adjusting to working on the fly being willing to just let the host kind of guide the uh, guest kind of guide the conversation. So interesting enough, we got two questions kind of related to a similar topic uh, on fatigue. So like dealing with student fatigue, you know, from a teacher and student standpoint, um, how do you deal with that? Whether it be assignment fatigue or another individual asked about technology, you know, like maybe introducing new technology or just the fatigue associated with using it in a course? So I think the best way is probably to pattern your life after what we see in Scripture. And that is to build into your life and build into your your teaching uh, areas some sabbatical types. And I'm not talking about taking a sabbatical for the semester, even though if Dr. Mack wants to give you one of those. By all means, go for it. Um, that would have been a good giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> Semester sabbatical. I don't think he would have gone for that. Well, that I don't think, don't think he would have yeah. gone for that. Um, but seriously, we don't take seriously what God put into creation order when he created in six days and rested on the seventh. And I know, you know, we don't observe the Sabbath in the same way that our you know, ancestors in terms of faith, the Jews were did during the Old Testament. But I think the pattern is still there. And I think you can take that pattern and you can fit it into your schedule, into your life, where there's something that helps you recharge. You do something completely different. And it could be just 30 minutes in a week or in a day where you, you give over and you, you actually put that in your schedule. I know that's what I try to do. Um, and my wife is really good at, you know, pushing me to ensure that I do those things because it just gives your mind uh, time to rest and, and helps with the fatigue, I think. There's an element where fatigue can creep in when you have mistakes or the technology doesn't go as well as you think it should. That can ramp up fatigue tremendously. And that's completely valid. And 
the, my suggestion would be to just, if something's new, take it in bite-sized chunks, uh, put a different context on it. Take time to learn it and seek out the help of others as well. Um, that's been something I've found to be useful is um, find others that are using it successfully and pull from them. Because there are going to be those around you in your social system, social circle, that are better at you at technology. It's just the way it is. Um, and you can ask them for help, especially if they're other educators, if it's something that's an educational platform or technology, uh, seek the help of others. You're not alone. That is, that's excellent. Uh, cause I think as faculty, maybe, uh, you can feel that way, right? Day in, day out, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And that's what you do. And you have your class, you give out, you give out, you give out. And then you have to grade, right? Which is giving out more. And then that might upset you a little bit when the students don't even look at what you do. Like, did you even pay attention to what I graded? And I spent, you know, 30 minutes writing about? Um, has that ever happened to anybody? Okay, yeah, thought so. Um, and I would say you got to take time with your peers and with family, but I think having colleagues, I know for me personally, having this group around me and others, it, it helps. It helps when you have friends. It helps when you have colleagues. And if you can find those times and schedule those times outside of a faculty meeting, because we all know that the faculty meeting is not that time, right? At least it usually isn't, because you just got business. Again, you got business you got to get done. So if you can find those times um, where you can lean on someone else and say, hey, I'm having this struggle. And I know we do that in the CTL. You know, any one of us, myself included, is like, ah, I've been thinking about this thing and it's really starting to bother me. You know, and, and you talk about it and give it a little bit of time. And that I find that helps me particularly. Dr. Jones had some really good tips. He programs in something at the beginning of his class where, you know, he takes prayer requests. They have a devotional and it just kind of sets the tone for the day. And then he, you know, for the class and then he then he moves from there Um and he always keeps that time. So he schedules it. I think it, what, what was it, nine minutes, ten minutes? Yeah, he gives them that time, and he also like gives them time to just kind of share. He has like a prompt, like, what'd you do for the weekend? Or, you know, something to get them thinking and kind of getting that fatigue or whatever it is that causes it out. Mm -hmm. um, kind of a sounding board. He seemed to indicate that that has been very helpful with his students. Uh, so related to course objectives... Let's say, asking for a friend, I got my course. <laughs> let's say I got my course objectives all in, all aligned and they're solid. What are the errors that I can make that would nullify all of that good work? I got an answer. Your content and your assessments don't align with your objectives. You can have these great objectives in your course, but if your content doesn't align to those objectives and meet those objectives and the assessments don't align to those objectives, that's when you have students come up to you and go, why was this on the test? You didn't talk about this because student, a student doesn't care if your objectives are aligned. They're not going to go, Hey, wait a minute. This doesn't align with this. How dare you, sir? And storm out or madam. Um, 
but they're going to see it in the tests. So it's not just enough to have your objectives aligned. It's then now, okay, how am I going to make sure that my students can meet those objectives? How are they going to demonstrate that? And that's through your content and that's through your assessments. So another layer to this that we don't talk about a lot here is another layer that I think we really should be paying attention to is on the macro level. So a lot of times we talk about objectives on the course level, but we don't really talk about how that flows and again lines up with the rest of the program that this course is within, right? And so there's another place where you can have great objectives, but it doesn't really fit with the program. So you can have a course that has great objectives. Your assessments can line up, your content can line up, but it doesn't line up with the rest of the program. So that's where faculty as a whole, it can't be on an individual basis. It's got to be faculty as a whole need to have these kinds of conversations to say, are we paying attention to the program objectives as a faculty? Um, and what are those? If you don't know them, then that's probably a good indicator that you're probably not aligned, right? Because you can't, you can't move yourself to something that you're not measuring. So we only change what we measure. And if you're not measuring that in some way, and that has to be you have to decide what that is as a group, the degree to which you measure it is the degree to which you're going to be closer to alignment uh, through the program. I think that's that's it yeah, for me. You've got prerequisites before your course. The assumption is that whatever material you're teaching is built on what was taught in those prerequisites. So the assumption is that they're prepared for your content. Um, but you may find that, wait a minute, this isn't working at all. It could be department meeting time. So I guess then uh, that kind of begs the question, if you find that to be true, what do you do from there? And um, I think that's where you need to bring it up in your faculty meetings. Uh, you need to have those conversations with colleagues um, and endeavor to, you know, straighten it out. And again, it's like Jared said earlier, it's not one of those things where you change everything. But if you can identify certain areas where you can say, if we do, we make this one small change here, it'll make a difference for us. As a follow-up, what questions should I be asking of my assessments to ensure that they're really assessing the content that I'm delivering? So in order to find that out, it, it's you're going to find that in your assessments. So did they have to have the content that you gave them in order to pass the assessment? That's a, that's a nice, quick little measure. Um, and if the answer is no, then that's a concern, right? I've, I've seen this several times where faculty member will put in a lot of work on a lecture series, right? They'll record it. And it'll be there for the students. And the thing about lecture series or any kinds of recordings, especially if they're online, you can track those. And you can see how many people have actually listened to them when they started, when they stopped. Did they listen to the whole thing? And if you have students that are making A's in your classes, but they're not listening to your stuff, they don't need those lectures to pass your class. So that's often... That can often be a deflator 
for faculty members, especially if they've spent a lot of time and energy in recording these, lots of takes, lots of um, just edits and those kinds of things. And that, that can be somewhat deflating. So uh, once you pick yourself up after realizing that, then it's a question of, okay, does the assessment fulfill my objective? And if the answer is yes, then your content probably needs to change or you need to figure out a different way to bring that content forward or it's working just fine. I think that is at least one way. Do you have any others? Yeah, I think going back to the spitting out the content, it, it depends on the level of the objective too and the assessment. Like if you're doing something lower on blooms, like identify or define which is strictly just, you know, matching, multiple choice, stuff like that, then you want the student to just kind of regurgitate that information because that's the level of the objective. But if you've got an objective that's more analyze or compare and contrast or evaluate higher up, then you don't want that just regurgitation. It's going to require more than just regurgitating the content. It's now it's applying the content in some way or applying the lectures or what they've learned. Um, so I think regurgitation is fine depending on the level of the objective, right? I like what you said too. It's like you, you may need to change the content or you need to change the level of the uh, assessment as well. Something I always recommend is, so you've got your module level objectives, which are the objectives that fit inside of your course objectives. Look at your module objectives. And if those terms that you're using, the verbs that you're using, like identify, evaluate, if those are in your assessments, then you're helping meet those objectives because you're literally taking the verb and putting it inside your assessment so you can see how it aligns. Then if your students are not hitting that, then you look back and go, okay, well, maybe there's a content issue or maybe I'm not giving them enough time. Maybe I'm not giving enough clarity in the information. Or it's a difficult subject that seems to be snagging people and then that's a way that you can figure out what's what's causing the problem and then and then move from there we've got several questions so we may not have time for them all but this takes a That's bit good. of a shift yeah it's a great great problem to have um as you've maybe researched and planned for episodes for transform your teaching what technique or idea have you brought into or plan to bring into your teaching wow there's a lot um i like dr mccartney's example of what she was doing with with the slides um, and putting the open-ended questions there and then having students in a sense do a discussion board but I think it was you know a little bit more than that um, and I think she was also doing that in her classroom so it provided them with something to do outside of class and then they could have discussions about that and she could be a part of that when they when they were in class uh, that was a really cool one. Um, I think Dr. Jones, you know, when he talked about making sure that he was scheduling that time up front and creating that sense of connection, like you can do the same thing online. And it made me think about how do we do that as a university, uh, especially as we have more and more online courses, how do we make sure that there's something that's an overarching idea regardless of the program of connecting with students and helping to provide some of that uh, discipleship and care. Uh, one of the things that stuck out to me was Dr. Norm Vaughn when he was talking about 
adding the emotional piece or the empathy piece to what is it something of inquiry community of inquiry sorry inquiry if you're canadian i kind of blanked out on that for a second but um adding the empathy piece uh that they have and so i've yet to dig into that because i just haven't had the time yet but to read where he's at with that but i see that from our faculty i hear that from our faculty and i hear it from our students as well because you know i have two two kids that are still here well i guess three if you count one in the dnp program but um they suffer from those same things especially post covid that seems to be a real issue that really is affecting our students and i think it's affecting our faculty as well i think uh dr vaughn hit on the real world practicalities, any kind of real world application. Um, I'm looking to insert that into composition as much as I can. That and, uh, man, Dave Mulder had some hair wearing ideas, but very creative. And some of his ideas I want to put into practice in my course as well. So, so Transform Your Teaching claims to be an innovative teaching and learning uh, podcast. So, how do you? You know, we kind of alluded to this earlier with the time limitations, foster innovation in your own teaching and learning. Small steps, baby steps. Uh, it's a matter of just finding one thing and doing that well. Uh, give it time. And then when you do that, add something. It's just a continued iterative process. There's no arrival gate, if, if I could say it that way. It's it's a train that you'll always ride on and you just need to keep moving the next step. You find the next step and you move forward. And that can sound a little bit like what's the the story of the Greek guy who's always rolling the stone uphill, but that's not what it is. Sisyphus. Yeah. Um, and it just continually rolls back on him. And so maybe some of you may feel like that's what it is, but it's not. I think it's just, it's the step of what we do every day, just adding a little bit more, being faithful with that, seeing it through, and then just take the next step. If you find yourself fatigued and overwhelmed, maybe you're trying to do too much. This isn't about, oh, you need to do more, you need to do more. And if that's what you're hearing from us, then I apologize for that. Uh, because there's only so many hours in the day. Really, hopefully, what we're trying to do is just provide some inspiration, provide some ideas, let you hear what other faculty members are doing, because, I mean, we don't have enough within the two of us, even in our own group, to really provide everything that you possibly could need, and we know that, we understand that. So hearing from others and and letting you see what they're doing, that can just provide inspiration where you can go, ooh, I want to try that, you know. And I know many of you have done that, because you'll come by and you'll ask us about, I don't know, we had someone come by and ask us about clickers or, you know, using questions and surveys in the front of their class. And that's great. And we're here to support that. And that's just one little thing that you can do. And there's so many others. So, But it's just really a matter of you focusing on, you know, asking yourself the question, what's the most effective thing that I could potentially do right now that's a small step that's not going to kill me? And just do it. And see what happens. The other thing is you will fail at it, just being honest, but it doesn't mean you put it down. 
Uh, one of my favorite sayings is failure isn't failure, it's feedback. If you take that small thing and it doesn't work well in class one day and you look like a fool in front of all of your students, okay, it happened. Try again. Um, how do you improve that? Or maybe it wasn't even your fault. Maybe it's the Wi-Fi. Maybe it's the projector. But whatever, it, don't give up on it. Uh, but don't take it in huge chunks. Take it small little. Start with polling. Start with hey, I put this doc on Canvas instead of printing it out. But just something like that, start small. And if it doesn't work, try again. Don't give up on it. Well, I think we have time for maybe one or two more questions. Why are you guys so obsessed with coffee? You guys do coffee drops. Our giveaways were coffee related. What, I mean, what's the deal there? Coffee keeps me alive. No. <laughs> I, you find one of those things that just like sticks in your crawl. You know, those things that just won't go away. That's what good coffee is to me. Because one of my best friends that I taught high school with, I had bought a Keurig and he was like, how dare you, sir? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he brought me into his room. He had his own coffee set up. He had a V60 with a nice carafe and a scale. And he's like, let me show you how to make actual coffee. And it changed my life. And so ever since then, it's one of those things where it's just a hobby of mine where coffee is... A, a huge hobby and I have all the different brew methods at home and I'm constantly playing with temperature of the water and the ratios and stuff. And I have a grinder that I'm constantly changing the grind settings on and making everything perfect at home. Um, it's just an obsession of mine. And I figured why not make it more of an obsession and bring it into the workplace as well. Full bore. I am full bore coffee. Yes. So I just happen to like it as well, which is a change for me because uh, in another uh, period in time, and my life was no coffee. So up until 2016, I would not even touch coffee. I hated it. Um, my parents drank it religiously. They drank Maxwell House in one of those metal cans that they kept in the freezer. Mm. Um, and I thought it was awful. Uh, but because they, it is. Uh, and so, um, they would just try to get me to drink that stuff, and I'd say, nope, not doing it, not doing it. Uh, and then when we moved to Portland, Oregon in 2016, or no, I guess it would have been 20, 2014, um, I was like, I'm going to try something new. And so I did. But needless to say, if you're in that area, there's really not much else to drink unless you drink alcohol, which I don't. So there's coffee. And so I drank coffee and that's where it started for me as well. And then, and then my, just, I guess it's just me. Um, and maybe we're similar in this way is like when I start doing something, then it needs to be better. You talked about the little iterations. So I'm constantly looking to make it better and, and want it to taste better. And, and so it has, and, but I only drink a cup a day. I'm not like, drinking tons of coffee every day so uh, but when i drink i want to drink something nice right all right great i want to finish with a fun one here what do you enjoy about your counterpart or partner in crime uh doing transform your teaching so rob jared jared rob honestly rob makes me think in ways i've never thought before he's one of those big thinkers and i'm very much a practical Here's how you use this. Here's the tried and true method of 
this. Then Rob goes, no, wait a minute. Let's expand. Let's, let's pull the canvas out more and let's see what else there is. And he puts this overarching philosophy over stuff. And it helps me think in ways I have never have before. And I'm like, you know what? That's a good idea. So I think that's something that's very valuable um, is that he's very good at making me see the bigger picture of what's going on. Well, thank you. I think the same thing, your abilities, your, obviously your, you have a voice for doing radio and not a face. That's the joke. I have a face for doing radio. Uh, I don't know if I have so much a voice, but everybody's been kind nonetheless. Um, and just uh, the team, I think that's the other thing too. And I, I would have to say, seeing you, uh, I really don't, I'm not concerned about whether it's going to flop. And and I know that, and you don't see this with him, but he's often nervous and he gets real uh, kind of bent out of shape before we do one of these things. I wouldn't need a nap and then he's going to need some time alone. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what I love about him too, is that uh, we are different, and but that difference makes us better as, as a team. But I would, I would go beyond that and say, not just the two of us, even though we do the most of the talking, the reality is without the rest of our team, this would not happen. Lauren is not here, but Lauren plays a, a huge role in, and the production, so does so does Jacob. Jacob does all the editing and the recording, and he does a really good job, and he tells us when he thinks it's terrible. And so does Ryan. And um, I would have to say that they have been extremely helpful, as well as Mr. L and uh, Sean Riffner. And I've just been blown away by that, uh, because I know it's not something I could... There's no way I could carry a podcast on my own. The reality is I'm not that interesting. And most of the time they look at me and go, yeah, what did you just say? Because that doesn't make any sense. We're going to need to edit that out. And I'm so thankful for that. So thank you to all of you who've made this possible. Thanks for joining our 50th episode of Transform Your Teaching. If you have additional questions, please send us an email at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. And don't forget to subscribe to our blog at cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog. Thanks.